Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today is July 29th, 2019, and today on the Osho Podcast, we've got two more interviews for you to check out. The first... From Chicago White Sox second baseman Tim Anderson rehabbing down in Charlotte, North Carolina after spraining his right ankle a month ago. We're talking bat flips, his walk-off home run that really seemed to piss a lot of people off, especially the Kansas City Royals in April. But mainly we're just getting into his rehab stint, going back to Chicago. When he's going back to Chicago, he seems anxious. We've also got... White Sox pitching prospect and AAA All-Star. He's a AAA All-Star this year. Right-handed pitcher Connor Walsh talking podcasting, why the media sucks. Yes, that's us. Uh, Marcus Stroman gets traded to the New York, just not the Yankees. It's a shame. Trevor Bauer acts like a child. So much more on this edition of The O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out, and tick pick. Ticket marketplace based in New York City. No hidden fees. Get your tickets now. Okay, so a lot has actually happened this week in baseball. Go figure. Not a lot happens, but this week a lot went down. Trade deadline right around the corner, so go figure. Big name starting pitchers should be made available. Brian Cashman, wink, wink. Marcus Stroman was traded to the New York Mets yesterday. Damn it. Honestly, that was probably the same reaction that he uh, he had to the news as well. I mean, nobody ever wants to see their name aligned with the New York Mets anymore. It's almost like a bad omen. Noah Syndergaard doesn't like it, I'm sure. They're actually trying to ship him out, apparently. So they acquire Marcus Stroman yesterday, and I guess the next big move for Brody Van Wagenen is to ship Noah Syndergaard out of town. It looks like the Mets and the Padres trying to work something out. That'll send a few decent prospects to the Amazons for Noah Syndergaard. That doesn't really make any sense at all. Why trade for Marcus Stroman, arguably the best pitching piece out on the market, just to trade your basically your number two pitcher in the rotation behind DeGrom for prospects, unless the plan is to flip Marcus Stroman for prospects, because Brody Van Wagenen, the Mets GM, actually sent a message uh, to the Yankees, apparently, through the press this weekend, basically saying, come get us, because the Yankees were obviously going to be in on Marcus Stroman. Like, Marcus Stroman and Ken Giles in that bullpen would have completed the Yankees' 2019 roster, because you saw this past weekend at Fenway, the starting pitching is not looking uh, too good right now. Uh, so the Yankees were obviously going to be in on Marcus Stroman before the Mets ungraciously stole him and ruined any chance of winning baseball that Marcus Stroman could have experienced in 2019 and 2020. So unless the Mets plan on flipping him, this deal makes zero sense. 
from an executive standpoint, if the plan is to keep Syndergaard with Stroman and DeGrom, then that's plausible. That's a pretty damn good rotation if they're all healthy. Then the Mets are five games under at the moment, 50-55, and 55, looking dead in the water in a division that seems to be all Atlanta at the moment. So why acquire Stroman if you're just going to trade arguably your biggest asset right after Noah Syndergaard? Like, I'm still trying to make sense of it all. The Mets are basically out of the division. It's the Braves... It's the Nationals who have made a late push. The Phillies are going to be involved, though. They're seven and a half back. They're six games out of the second wild card behind half the National League. And now you go get arguably the hottest pitching prospect, arguably the hottest pitching piece in Marcus Stroman, and you gave up one of your top pitching prospects. I mean, he's no star in Anthony Kay, but arguably their top pitching prospect. And now the loudest conversation in baseball leading up to the trade deadline on Wednesday is going to be surrounded by Noah Syndergaard who's now being reported to possibly go into the Padres. If not, the Astros are involved, which would suck for Yankee fans. The Yankees are in on him. The Twins have even inquired about Syndergaard. Uh, The most likely reason for the Mets to shop Noah Syndergaard is what he would bring back, obviously, a ransom of prospects uh, more than any other player on the market right now could. I mean, Trevor Bauer with the Indians, um, he's going to be available. He's under team control for one more year, I think, after 2020, where Syndergaard's under team control for three more years, two and a half to be exact, after 2021. Trevor Bauer's stock may have gone down a little bit after throwing the ball over the center field wall at Kauffman Stadium like a 12-year-old, but we'll see. But back to the Stroman deal, it complicates things when it comes to Syndergaard because Stroman, he required the Mets to give up a pair of top pitching prospects. Like I said, their top one, Anthony Kay. Uh, Kay, neither Simeon Richardson Woods, who was the second player in the deal, not that they're superstars in the making, but they were still two potential pieces that could have helped the Mets down the road if they ever were sacrificed for someone who's here to produce now like a big name bat I mean signing Robinson Cano or not signing trading for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz hasn't worked out they gave up some pretty ransom prospects as well and Jared Kalenic and Justin Dunn I mean they also gave up Anthony Swarzak and Jay Bruce just to give the Mariners something right now and on top of everything else Marcus Stroman might not even be in New York come 2021 he might not be in Queens for that long uh, next season's his last year before he hits free agency in 2020, and though the Mets could very well have designs on convincing the Long Island native, yes, he's from Long Island, New York, which would have made perfect sense for the Yankees. He's with the Mets now. If if they have plans on convincing him to stay and stick around long-term with his hometown team, one of them, the safer bet is to assume that he's there only through 2020, which makes the deal make absolutely no sense. I still don't get it. So why move Syndergaard? I mean, the, the only strategy here is if you can call this inscrutable deadline maneuvering that is best understood in light of what the Mets have been able to do for the last decade under the ownership of Fred and Jeff Wilpon. Uh, I mean, you bring in Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, giving up those Hall of Prospects. Hasn't worked out. Edwin Diaz blew like nine saves in a row at some point in June, which was ridiculous. Like, it was almost foreshadowed every time he came into a game. I mean, this is almost as bad as bringing back Omar Minaya, a general manager in which they fired after the 2008 season and brought him back as the special assistant 
in 2010 or 2011, I can't remember, but they brought Omar Minaya back as their special assistant to Sandy Alderson, who they signed as the GM in 2010. Why why hire a new general manager if he's just going to be in the ear of the new general manager going forward? I don't understand that move whatsoever. So this team has uh, long refused to spend or maintain any kind of payroll you'd expect, um, if not demand, as a fan base. I mean, one World Series appearance in the last 20 years, um, one of the biggest franchises in one of the biggest media markets in the entire world. And the goal, at least the reality, isn't to win no matter what the cost. It's to compete within the narrow boundaries of what the team chooses to afford. And the Wilpons, they want a contender, but they don't want to pay that price. They want to be the Yankees on the Marlins' budget, essentially. And that's where trading Noah Syndergaard comes into play. There's no argument to be made bearing any huge return that dealing Noah Syndergaard improves the Mets roster or their chance to win a World Series this season or next or even 2021 for that matter. He's had a down year. His ERA is over four. Uh, but the major league ready prospects that the Mets would get back for him will cost far less per season than Noah Syndergaard will. Uh, and with Stroman now in place to soak up the innings lost by trading him, I mean, the team is somewhat more cost-efficient while still kind of being a contender. It's still five games under. But I guess if you're looking at it in that sense, it makes a little sense. The end result of that, though, is a firm cap on the team's potential. You've effectively assembled a roster that unless you get 90th percentile breakthroughs from young talent or previous average players, they'll never win more than 85 games. Granted, in the crowded National League where you got the Cubs, the Brewers, the Pirates, the Cardinals all in it in the NL Central as well as the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals, like I said, have been on fire recently, arguably the hottest team in the National League over the past six weeks. I mean, it's enough to say that in the wild card hunt through the summer and within weeks going into October, they could now have a playoff spot. But taking the step there to a true World Series favorite requires a bigger payroll than the Wilpons can that they're willing to afford. I mean, it means trading for Stroman and keeping Syndergaard keeping Syndergaard and adding some more help as well. Not paying or not playing a, the fans a, play a convoluted game of musical chairs where you just try to compete and rebuild and rebuild and compete and compete and rebuild. They can't make up their minds. They can't win and cut costs at the same time. There are no half measures, but that's what dealing Syndergaard after getting Strowman would be. And it's all the Mets have. It's all they have. It's all they've ever known under the Wilpons, which is a a shame you know they should really contact brian cashman might give him some tips you, you never know no one but uh brody van wagen knows which directions the mets are going to go with stroman again you gave up anthony k arguably your top pitching prospect if you trade noah Syndergaard for prospects you're bringing back a hall of prospects at a low price of five hundred and fifty five thousand dollars uh new york will once again choose the road of rebuilding and its fans already know that road far too well and one that will in all likelihood lead them right back to this exact same point come 2020 and 2021 and 2022 and 2023 and so on and so forth so we'll see if Noah Syndergaard gets moved it'll be interesting to see so let's talk about Trevor Bauer's fit Trevor Bauer threw a fit as well as a baseball almost 400 feet over the center field wall 
after being pulled from Sunday's game against the Kansas City Royals. Now, Bauer obviously wasn't pitching well. His team lost on Sunday 9-6 to a team who arguably has no business winning any baseball games at the major league level. And as soon as Terry Francona, I guess, called for a new arm, Bauer exploded. He basically pulled a full-blown Carlos Zambrano like it was 2008 all over again. It was pretty incredible. Uh, Tito had some choice words for Trevor. Uh, Trevor immediately apologized before heading into the clubhouse. Immediately said, yep, my bad. That one's on me. I'm 12 years old. Won't happen again. And Tito, Terry Francona kind of just blew up in his face. Uh, followed him back into the clubhouse. Uh, Trevor said post-game to the media, basically, that it was unbecoming, it was childish and unprofessional. Uh, he said he's an intense competitor that uh, has a fi- and he has a fire that drives him. Uh, and today he completely uh, let that fire consume him and it took over. And he just said that I'm sorry for how I behaved. It won't happen again. Uh, it won't happen again, but it'll forever be a meme for Bob Menery, who took upon his Instagram and Twitter to post his latest call with uh, Peter. Take it away. And Bauer trying to show the coach he's still got a little left in the tank as he fucking nukes that one over center field. The problem is it's not about distance, Bauer. It's about location. And the coach says you haven't been fucking hitting anything lately. So he says, my bad, throwing that ball over the fence. Some lucky fucking seven-year-old just got a souvenir. Head coach tells me go fuck himself. And now he's hanging his head low on the bench. But I'll tell you what, good thing for that seven-year-old boy who's got a brand-new power ball. Things worth about 17 cents on eBay. Take care. <laughs> I, I can just imagine being a fan at Kauffman Stadium, just chilling, having a beer during a pitching change, and just seeing a baseball nuked into the stands like it was the home run derby. In this case, the long toss derby with Trevor Bauer being the only contestant because Major League Baseball is a game of adults. They are adults, Trevor. But we've all been there. I think I was 11 years old when I had my moment out on the field after striking out looking on a pitch on the outside corner. I uh, I decided to let the home plate umpire know about my displeasures of his horrific officiating. I flipped him off on the way back to the dugout, resulting in my ejection and the entire bleacher section of moms screaming at me right as I walked back to the dugout. That was probably not the right call on my end, and honestly, I don't think I ever apologized for it. Oh, well. Moving on, let's talk to Tim Anderson. So Tim Anderson uh, knows something about bad media coverage. In April, he got really hot at the plate, hit well over 400 during the first five or six weeks, uh, including a walk-off home run in a wild game on a Friday night in Chicago on one April night, and he really let his excitement show through one of the most intense bat flips you'll ever see. wasn't even a bat flip, honestly. He took the bat and just chucked it to the dirt like he basically served its purpose and that he was finished with it. But it got the league talking about how celebrations need to be tasteful and professional and how that bat flip was not tasteful and professional. Uh, Well, a few days later against the Kansas City Royals, he'd do the exact same damn thing. Only this time, it was at a random point in the game, like the bottom of the fourth inning, exact same bat flip, just chucks it on the ground, immediately heard chirping from the Kansas City dugout, resulting in a bench-clearing brawl. And when he was asked about it, he basically said he wouldn't change a thing. In his words after that game, I never looked at one of their players when I hit it. I just looked in our dugout and threw the bat. It was a bomb. It was a long bomb. I smoked it. I got excited. I wanted to help the bat boy a little bit, so I threw it to him. 
Uh, when I definitely get those guys, I want to celebrate with my teammates. When they get me, they can celebrate with their teammates. I'm not going to get mad at them. We are on a new generation, a new wave. I think the game is switching and changing to a lot of younger guys. We are getting it. I think that's what guys. That's what gets guys going. So I think that's what get guys going. It's fun doing stuff like that. It's fun. Now, a lot of pros and cons on the situation were thrown out on social media. Even MLB Network, I'm going to show here in a bit, uh, Mark DeRose's take on it back in April. Just a little uh, clip of it. Tim Anderson basically caught the attention of the entire baseball world. Anderson's looking at it from an entertainment side. He's like, that's what my teammates want. We're trying to make the game entertaining. It brings a lot of spark to the team and a lot of energy. I think nothing bad on my end. Uh, White Sox manager Rick Renteria even said he's our guy. I want him to have fun, and he's going to continue having fun. Uh, So Tim Anderson obviously concerned a little bit with the entertainment side of baseball. We had Savannah Bananas owner Jesse Cole and team president Jared Orton on a few weeks ago talking about the entertainment side of baseball, saying how the game's slow, it's boring, and you want to bring excitement back to baseball. Uh, from a from a player's standpoint, it's interesting to see Tim Anderson trying to take a stab at this. And here's what Mark DeRosa had to say. Basically, uh, the whole moniker of let the kids play, and you see that commercial with Mike Trout and company saying let the kids play. Mark DeRosa didn't feel that way as a player. Here's Mark DeRosa with Robert Flores and Lauren Shahadi uh, on the rundown on MLB Network back in April. First reaction is, man, the bat flip's cool. It is. I get it. It's more of a, it's like a bat javelin toss. I, I get, and, and he's been in studio, and we liked him, okay? April we got to know se- the person, and April he's a great 17th, with a spattering of people at a Kansas City Royals game against the White Sox, when your bench, he's trying to fire up the bench, they're not even looking at him. Well, that's not his. They're not even looking at him. He didn't know that. And the, you, team, the, team the minute he a flips his game. bat, the minute he flips his bat and starts running for first in the back of your head, he's getting drilled. Sure. And but he should expect it. Here's what. And what, you know what? You're not going to get 750 guys to all think right. alike. And the whole moniker of let the kids play, I wasn't a kid when I played in the big leagues. I was a grown man. And I didn't like to be disrespected. Whether you yeah. look at it that way or not, I see Mike Trout go, let the kids play. Well, you're not a kid. Well, everyone on that panel they're was not kids. They're baseball Grown players, men. and they're talking about Competing. how they're going to hit 50 home runs, how they're going to win the World Series. Yeah. Those aren't kids on that panel. Okay, but you can't have, like, what I'm saying here is I didn't grow up as a young boy aspiring to play in the big leagues because I thought I was an entertainer. And that's the whole, like, well, that's we you. want entertainment. Yeah. Well, the players aren't, maybe the younger generation is thinking more along those lines, but. I, wa- I wasn't thinking along those right. lines. I wanted to grow. No, that's fair. Hard that's to fair. Play in the big leagues. I, so I think. I think we're res- going to. That's honestly a very valid point by Mark DeRosa. They're not kids. They are grown men, and they should honestly leave the entertainment side of baseball to operations and off the field representatives of the team. The players should be focused solely on playing the game of baseball. However, to Tim Anderson's credit, he's a young kid in the game with a ton of energy, just showing his excitement after hitting basically a nuke into the left field seats and you'll hear it from him here in a moment he's enjoyed every second of it and doesn't regret a thing as he shouldn't he's playing uh, his game of baseball and nobody should be offended by it wasn't trying to cause any harm wasn't trying to insult anybody out there on the field especially the kansas city royals so i got the chance to speak to tim briefly before wednesday night's charlotte knights game the charlotte knights 
being the AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Tim sprained his right ankle four weeks ago, and he just is now stepping back onto the field and into the batter's box, currently hitting 317, 11 home runs, 37 runs batted in. Uh, Tim arguably having an all-star season for the Southsiders, and if it wasn't for La Machine DJ LeMahieu, he wouldn't, uh, or he would have been considered as a starting second baseman in this year's All-Star game behind uh, Jose Altuve in Cleveland. So here's my brief interview with Tim Anderson before Wednesday's game, press conference style, went about four minutes long. Uh, you get your questions in and you get out as a reporter. Players don't really like the media. It's like baseball and entertainment. The two really just don't coexist yet. Uh, the media, unless you ask fun questions like me, of course, are the player's worst nightmare, essentially. But Tim was very cool, didn't take too much of his time. Here he is talking his, about his rehab stint, a few of his teammates, and his infamous bat flips now on the O Show podcast. But first, and we got in trouble last week, me and Hunter, we uh, we didn't do the tick pick ad. Uh, we forgot about our sponsor. So first, a quick word from the best sponsor in the world, Tick Pick. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, pr- your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent, consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web. Authentic, valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Ballpark in Charlotte, North Carolina, here with Tim Anderson on a rehab assignment in AAA Charlotte with the Knights. What is the number one goal for you in your rehab assignment as you look uh, forward to get back in Chicago this weekend? Uh, just more so feeling comfortable out there. Uh, you know, trying to get back in the swing of things and, uh, you know, get my timing down. I think, I think the biggest thing is just more so feeling comfortable with the ankle and, uh, you know, man, just enjoying it and, uh, you know, Now, I saw you during BP a little bit today, talking to some of the younger players on the club. What type of advice have you given some of the guys who are coming through the same ranks that you did? And have you spread your wisdom uh, since you've been here? Uh, Good, man. I know these guys. Uh, I've been in uh, spring training with them. So, uh, 
you know, man, we got a good relationship. So I think it's it's good to come down here and see him and uh, you know be with him for a minute and uh, you know just just gonna enjoy this time here and uh, you know keep keep rolling. Now, giving your back for just a couple of nights. Um... Talk to me a little bit about what it's like seeing Luis Robert in the cage and on the field, given his high stature within the organization. Uh, off the charts. Uh, you've seen it. I don't think i got to speak too much about him. Uh, athlete. Uh, man, he, he, he can do it all. Uh, I, think he, I think he's showing off, so I don't really have to speak about him. So you're in the lineup tonight, DHing. What's the current plan going forward? Uh, man, I'm going to DH tonight, and uh, I think I'm going to play tomorrow on the field. And... Uh, uh, I think just get many at-bats at and uh, maybe play a, a couple full games here and uh, you know, see, see what happens and uh, kind of see how I feel after that. How eager are you uh, to get back to Chicago? Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I've been sitting out for a minute, but uh, I think I'm ready. Now, how long do you think you'll be here? Just a couple of days or so? Man, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know the plan, but we'll see. Throw it back to last April, like your walk-off home run against the Royals. The bat flip, everybody knows the whole story. Yeah. Um, how much does your passion for the game play a factor? Uh, man, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Uh, you know, the bat flips and stuff, man. That's, that's cool stuff. So why not do it? Uh, but, yeah, man, I just enjoy enjoy the game a lot. And uh, I just go out and play with, you know, a lot of energy. And uh, I think that's what makes me, you know, be able to play to the level that I'm playing at. And that was my interview with White Sox second baseman Tim Anderson. Like I said, it was a press conference style, so I was actually standing right in front of Tim while conducting the interview, hence the audio being very low when Tim talks. Uh, it could just be because he's a chill dude, didn't really raise his voice too much. I should probably get real podcast equipment. I do most of this stuff just on my phone and on my laptop and on my iPad. should probably look into getting a microphone, maybe like a Zoom mixer. We'll see moving forward uh but again no player really wants to talk to the media i mean it's in their contract but my next guest was actually more than willing to talk to the media and by media i mean me connor walsh right-handed pitching prospect in the white Sox organization was a triple a all-star this year for the charlotte knights this season alongside ryan goins who's actually up with the white Sox right now uh he has a 369 era in 23 games for charlotte this season he talked for about 15 minutes uh, about his journey to pro ball, growing up a Phillies fan, big Roy Halladay fan, just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, if players hate, hate the media, yes, I dabble into that a little bit. What time zone he'd go back and pick if he chose uh, any type of rivalry, whether it was Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, any sport, really. It was interesting what he came up with for his answer. Uh, his camp, he's a funny guy, he told me a few jokes, his all-star game appearance, and more. Uh, but before we talk to White Sox right-hander Connor Walsh on the Osho Podcast, let's take another quick break and talk about TickPick. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com. 
where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee. 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide. 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent, consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web. Authentic, valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. So how much time do you actually have? Um, how much do you need? Like four hours? Does that work? <laughs> I can give you like five to ten minutes. That, that, we can make it work. Okay, cool, Just, great. <laughs> all right, so Connor Walsh, obviously AAA All-Star this year. How does that sound? And how'd you? I didn't actually check out the game. I heard you gave up, gave up quite a yeah, long quite home a, run. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't think it's landed yet. Well, that's a shame. But how how was the uh, the atmosphere? How was the experience playing in the AAA All Star Game? Unmatched, man. It was uh, it was incredible. I, like the feelings that I felt pitching to, to such talent and being around other pitchers that have incredible talent. I mean, it was it was a moment I'll never forget. And obviously, you were there. Who would you say is the best prospect in the game right now? Who do you think is the best player in AAA? Oh man. Well, I'm gonna be biased. And I'm gonna say it was Ryan Goins. Now it's he's a good up teammate. In, yeah, oh yeah, he's teammate. in the big leagues now. But it was definitely him in my eyes. That's a good teammate. What do you, what do you what, how do, what do you feel has been the key to your success this year? Obviously, you started the year in Birmingham, came up early on in the season. Yeah, um, I would just say my key to success has been just perfecting my mental game. And and I use the wrong term there because I'm never gonna be perfect in this game, and and no baseball player ever is. However. Uh, just being able to control my mind and kind of let things happen and, and my ability to let go and just let my body work has been uh, immensely beneficial for me this year. And of course, everybody's got a draft score. You got drafted in 2014, correct? 2014, yeah. What is um, Connor Walsh's draft story? So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, everybody's going to tell you the same thing I'm about to tell you. Um, I thought I was going to go higher than I actually was. Yeah, that, I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, Almost so, day, yeah. You know, every, you're going to hear from everybody. So uh, that happened, and I was actually, I was taken on the third day, and I remember um, talking to my agent, and, you know, I was like, I, I think I want to go back to school and get my degree. That's really important to myself and my family. So um, at that point, that was where I was at, and my agent was like, you know, this is the number that uh, I think will be smart to take, and I have full trust in my agent. So I said, yeah, if we can get that, sure. And I didn't even watch the draft because I was so, like, you know, wow. just upset about it. And, um, <laughs> and then uh, I knocked on my dad's door walking into his house, and he, he, like, answered the door, and he was looking at me like I had, like, ten heads. He was like, are you kidding me? 
And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just got drafted by the Chicago White Sox. I was like, what? And then I got calls like right after that. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was wild, man. It was a cool, cool experience. And you grew up in Berwyn, Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a spot right outside of uh, Philadelphia. Right. I went to Radnor High School. Okay, so... I ask this to almost everybody I interview because I feel like a lot of players were too busy playing the game to actually like a team growing up. Like, <laughs> pro baseball players obviously love baseball. You're here. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Um, did you grow up a Phillies fan? Did you have a team growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up a huge Phillies fan. Okay. Uh, me and my buddies would always try to make it down to the park and watch a game. And if we weren't watching that, then we are watching them on TV. But, yeah, they, uh, they won the World Series in 2008. Yeah. And uh, just that whole experience, I mean... I can't imagine how it would be for the players as a fan going to that. It was, like, so cool. So I hope to one day hopefully bring that or help bring that to uh, Chicago, to the south side one of these days. There you go. Another right answer. Yeah. So 26, right? 26 26 years old. So that was, like, the pinnacle of the Phillies' success. You had the Utleys, the uh, Ryan Howards. Oh, yeah, the Ryan Howards, the Shane Victorinos. Uh, Pat Pearl, all those guys, man. They were they were such a fun to watch. They're so fun. So, how difficult was it uh, coming up through the system? Was there like at any moment in your career? I feel like a lot of players feel like this. Was there at any moment in your career where you thought maybe this might not pan out for you, or were you always confident that this would always work I out? I always knew I was going to be a big leaguer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just there kidding. No, not right at answer. all. Not at all. No, I think of right answers. I think that. Uh, I think that again. This is another thing. If you talk to like every baseball player that's played this game. They, they, everybody has that one year where they're like, I don't know if this was for me. And, yeah. I mean, you can look at my stats. 2018 was a rough year for me. But, again, you know, if, if you're made to play this game and you really want to and you work hard at it, you can learn from all your mistakes. So uh, I could sit there and look at my year last year and say I sucked, or I could say it was an incredible learning experience, which it absolutely was. So on bus rides, are you the type of guy who's screwing around, playing cards, messing with your teammates, messing with your friends, whatever? Are you the type of guy that just lays back, watches Netflix, listens to podcasts? What do you do? So I'm a big music guy. I'm a big podcast guy. Um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely help in some you know some jokes on the bus if I need to, just to keep it light. I mean, this game's tough, and you're with the same guys for you know half the year. So it, I think that it's important to have a little bit of fun sometimes. What's your favorite podcast? I love Joe Rogan. He's got Joe such Rogan a wild, yeah, yeah. He's got a uh, wild array of people that come on there, from UFC fighters to like scientists, Everyone. everybody. Yeah. yeah. So I love listening to different people's perspectives on life, on their sport, on, on whatever they have to talk about. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Joe Rogan experience just because it's like three hours long. Yeah, maybe it's if you long. cut it, like maybe two and a half hours. <laughs> I'm a big pardon my take guy with okay. Barstool Sports. Okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten too much into them, but I, I obviously am completely familiar with who they are and. Dude, they do some pretty funny stuff that I've seen. So. I mean, at times they're inappropriate, but sometimes you're just like, man, these guys are funny. And yeah, they're smart. Yeah, but again, like, I don't know. I, I like the inappropriate humor. I, I get into that stuff. So I've read a few things, and they do that pizza review, which I think is hysterical. Oh, it's like, awesome. Davey Page it. views. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like you're one of those guys who, like, doesn't like sitting down with a guy who's going to ask you, like, so what's your uh, preparations going into Friday's game? You know, you know yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't mind it because I – I love talking about baseball and how I prepare just because I know it helps like the younger kids out and, and you know and how they prepare and you know if I can help a kid out along the way that's great but at the same time I you know I I like to keep it loose as well just because I believe baseball can get way too serious sometimes. So many great rivalries in baseball. You had the Yankees and Red Sox, obviously still today, but back in 03-04 it was a madhouse. I would have loved to go back in time and see that. You got the Cubs and the Cardinals. Yep. The curse uh, with the Billy Goat in Chicago. Oh yeah. If you could go back in time, any any sport, any rivalry, which 
which time zone would you go back into to be a part of a certain rivalry? That's a tough question. See, that's not your daily uh, preparation no, question. No, that's not my daily preparation question, but I like it. Um, okay, to be honest, and again, I'm going to be biased here, and I'm not going to say like a certain game or a certain uh, particular rivalry, but if I could go back in time and, um, and, and be have an umpire's perspective on watching uh, one of Roy Holiday's no-hitters. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, that guy was such an artist, and just seeing how difficult it is at the AAA level, not the big league level, at the AAA level to execute pitches and get guys out. Um, watching Roy Holiday do what he did, it, it's it's so unbelievable, and he really was an artist. So if I had to go back and watch anybody, it would be Roy Holiday. I think it was against the Reds, his no-hitter was. Yeah, no-hitter. Uh, yeah. So I would definitely have an umpire's perspective on that game. I mean, him and Don Larson, only two in uh, Major League Baseball history with no hitters in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. Did Just that. got inducted into the Hall of Fame. His wife with a great speech on his behalf. Absolutely. And you're a Phillies guy, so that was like the prime, too. Exactly. You, I'm you biased, got to see that. Man, I'm biased. So you are a special assistant coach, right, at uh, University of Northern Kentucky? Yes, volunteer assistant coach. Volunteer I was coach. last year. So obviously you got a, a lot of time on your hands, but how was it working with, like, young arms, and what kind of advice did you give those guys? Oh, man, it, it was so much fun. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, potentially help out a little bit uh, this offseason again, pending, you know, I might go play winter ball or, or if, I'm, if I get called up before the season ends, uh, whatever may happen, but... Um, it was such a cool experience, and it allowed me to remove myself as a player and see it from a coach, which I think is really important for kids, um, yeah. especially wanting to you know, get to a level that I'm at and even higher. Uh, I would say that the biggest lesson I taught the kids would be to, like, it doesn't matter where you're at. Like, guys at our level, everybody has talent, but who can control their mind and who can control their body in big-time situations and who can produce consistent results? I think that's... That is just the complete X factor when it comes to, uh, you know, teams wanting to sign guys or wanting to promote them. Not only can you, you know, be a be a really good hitter in batting practice, but can you come up in a, you know, in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and a three-two count and uh, put a, a good swing on the ball? That doesn't mean hit it over the fence and be the hero, but can you be the guy to hand the bat to the next guy? And can you do that on a consistent basis? And you actually ran a uh, camp, correct? Yeah, I ran Dollar a, few and camps. a dream camp. Yep, exactly. Dollar and a dream. Yeah, that was uh, me and my buddy Ryan Atkinson, who's with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks right now. And um, our, our, you know, our whole goal behind that that title was just, you know, that's that's Ryan Atkinson and I's life as a minor leaguer. We have a dollar to our name. We're not yeah. getting paid the big bucks, but we have a dream, and, and we want to make sure that the youth understands that, you know, it, it takes a lot of grind to achieve big things, and it's never given to you. So no matter how much money you have in your pocket or, or what your goal is, you got to chase it and embrace it. So last thing before I let you go. Yeah. Everybody from PR to the players here, they're telling me you're a funny guy. <laughs> Tell me a joke. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Uh, on the spot. On the spot. I don't, I don't know make if me I laugh, have it. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if I have a good joke for you right now. I think if you gave me like five minutes, I could, I could come up with one. Um, Dude, I'm gonna have to plead the fifth. I don't know. I don't know a funny, appropriate joke to tell wow. right now. It doesn't have to be appropriate. I mean, this is. <laughs> I, I, I got like, I'm more of like a. I'm not the true media. I'm I'm more of a uh, kind of just uh, go with the flow, funny guy. Like okay. I'm not the guy that's like, here's a mic, make people laugh. It's just kind of the everyday, keep it light stuff. I would say I'm more animated than I am, uh, just verbally good with with being. 
funny. You so know you I mean? can be like a stand-up comedian one day? No, I, I don't. I don't think I ever. I would love to try. I think that'd be so much <laughs> fun. But dude, I mean, that's that's really tough to do. I don't think I could do it. So what are you gonna do right now? I'm like gonna, after this interview, what are you doing right now? I'm gonna go eat, and then I'm also. I have some players on the team that think they're the best at ping pong. And I have to show them that they're absolutely not even close. We just went back there. I saw the table. I'm like, these guys must have a blast. A lot of miles on that table. A whole lot of miles. So I guess this is the real last question before I go. Since you brought it up, you're about to eat. What, what, what do you guys eat on a daily basis? Are you guys fed well or is it like whatever you guys can find down here? Yeah, no, is- no, no. <laughs> it's, it's I know like, a lot of yeah. like the catering and dishes up in the big leagues. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. good. That's good. Like, what's it? What's so, the big leagues is great. But luckily for us, we have amazing clubbies so like i don't know a daily spread would be uh like turkey sandwiches or like mashed potatoes mac and cheese and some chicken yeah uh, yeah so it's you know i try to stay away from sugar like not that anybody really cares what no. i eat when i don't yeah. eat but my teeth are like so terrible that i try my best to just stay away from sugar <laughs> as a whole and uh that's kind of like my diet in a nutshell is just eat because i'm skinny so i just eat as much as i oh, can yeah. and not consume too much sugar and i tend to be all right now are you like like me? I could eat like four porterhouses in a day, and I won't gain a pound. Yeah, you got a I, fast metabolism. Yeah, big time. Like I, I could crush, I could crush a a, a large pizza, and like just not put on a pound, which has been an issue in my career because I'd like to be a little bit. Uh, I think my fighting weight's a little bit more than what it is now, yeah. but. You know, like I said, sometimes you just have to embrace who you are and, and try to let go of the pressures that hey, you that's have. That's fair. I mean, we, we got a ton of pizza and wings up in the press box if you're interested. Yeah, I mean, I, I would out-eat any of you. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Connor Walsh, thank you very much hey, for Hey, thank time, you, man. man. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah, I could go for, like, a chicken sandwich right now. Yeah. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, pr- your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent, consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web. Authentic, valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now.
So that was Connor Walsh. What a guy. I'd say he's one of the coolest guys I've interviewed thus far, if not the coolest. The coolest, as Josh Peck said on Drake and Josh. Uh, <laughs> this episode, gosh, uh, this was episode 73, 74. Who the hell cares? It's more about the content anyways. We'll be back uh, later in the week with more interviews, a lot more interviews. And Declan will be back because we have something very important to discuss. So on the next episode of the Osho Podcast, it's going to be interesting. We'll have interviews with 2015 ALCS MVP and World Series champion Alcides Escobar. Basically just a post-game interview talking about his performance. I kind of drew that up to be bigger than it actually is, but I still enjoyed it. Another interview uh, is with White Sox top pitching prospect, now major leaguer, starting pitcher in their rotation, Dylan Cease, talking about his control on the mound. So two more interviews for you listeners later in the week. And like I said, Declan will be back to discuss something that I've been waiting to review since I saw it on its release date, our review of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. I don't think he's seen it yet, but he's seen it tonight down at the Jersey Shore. So next episode will be fun. Remember, the Osho Podcast is powered by Pinecast, presented by Belly Up Sports, and sponsored by TickPick. Until next time, hit it, Hootie. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.